Hello and welcome to another episode of The Endless Stream. I'm Aiden, and as usual, I'm here with Brian and Kevin. We are three artists and illustrators, filmmakers and bullshit artists that are going to talk to you about some of the endless stream of content that has been delivered to us through Amazon Prime, Netflix, YouTube, Spotify, Apple TV. Wherever you get your content, we're going to take a chunk of it and we're going to talk about it. Given the nature of these conversations, they're very spoiler heavy. So this week, if you haven't seen Highlander or Night Moves, maybe go off and have a look at them and come back and join the conversation. Those two films are particularly old and kind of zeitgeisty. So, I mean, maybe maybe it's not as big an issue this week. You could just join in. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to the podcast or going over to Instagram and giving us a follow over there. We put up illustrations and clips over there, so there's a little added content. All of our socials are at The Endless Cast, so you can find us there. All that said, let's just get into it. Okay, this week we have a bunch of things to have a chat in and around, and we can come back to some stuff. I know we said we'd watch Night Moves. I watched it. Uh, Kev didn't quite get to it, but Brian, I'm sure, can talk to me about it, and we can we can have a chat. I watched uh, some movies. I watched some television. We got a couple of Modocs in. And there's a bunch of trailers. Brian, what have you been watching this week? Mostly The Simpsons, early seasons, starting from around season three. Why? Why season three? Is that when Conan was writing and stuff? Well, he was, I think, but he might have been writing before that as well. I think it's the first season is still quite ropey in terms of like the animation and the the voice acting and stuff like that. Even the character design. Yeah. It's a bit weird. Uh, the second season has some good stuff, but it's, I think it was the third when it had like properly settled into its, um, its, its format and stuff. Yeah. So I just, I just kind of started from there. Got up to season six, I think so far. The mad thing about the Simpsons that I think about occasionally is I know exactly the episode where I stopped watching The Simpsons or stopped thinking, oh, this is must-see every week television. And it's the episode where Apu cheats on his wife. And it has this gag where Homer is like, uh, he walks into the quickie mart and sees the affair and walks out backwards and walks all the way home backwards. And it's a sort of absurdist kind of thing that I feel like was a reaction to Family Guy at the time because it mm. had just sort of started around the same time. And then they have that moment at the end where Apu reconciles with his wife and, and they start to, to get busy and it pans to the window and Homer's there on a ladder and then he starts hopping backwards mm. away, sort of eyes fixed, stare, sort of shocked at what he's seen, hopping backwards down the street. And as he's hopping away into the distance, I remember thinking, this is such an out-of-character kind of gag for The Simpsons. And I don't think I laughed during that whole episode. Like, I remember having the thought, I didn't laugh during that whole episode. Oh, God. Mm. Was... Is the Simpsons not funny anymore? But the thing that's the thing that's funny there is like I think that's epi- I think that's in season fifteen, and they're at season thirty or something at this point. So there's more Simpsons that I haven't watched Don't than watch. I have watched yeah. at this point. So I every so often I get the idea that maybe I should go back and Don't. there's got to be some gold in fifteen Math. years, right? Don't. I was gonna say, yeah, I stopped watching it because, and it probably. It was probably around, yeah, so I'd say like kind of, maybe it was 2003 or four, maybe, I don't know. But it would have just been like, it just became uh, what celebrity cameo mm. of the week kind of thing would be in it, you know. And then the episode kind of being centered around that celebrity. And yeah. 
like I remember Ricky Gervais being in it and Simon. Yeah, I was about to say Ricky Gervais did. Yeah, now I'm that's when I started a little, strumming a little guitar and oh yeah, you know, I'll put a bit of music out. I'm gonna seduce you, Marge. I was like, oh, this isn't funny. This isn't fucking. Yeah, that's that's when I stopped. Uh, to be honest, because mm. it just became like it became so big, it was just celebrity cameos every week. You know, mm. I think anyways as well. It was still yeah. quite silly and absurdist early on. It just mm. it just delivered it in a very different way. I was kind of surprised how early on that, yeah, it, it, like I, I completely agree with Aiden. There was a point where it was definitely trying to ape Family Guy a bit more, but that's not to say it didn't do a lot of those type of jokes already. It just they they kind yeah. of deliver them. They they structure them in a lot better way, you know. Yes, they they kind mm-hmm. they make much more sense, even though the like the. I think one of the best ones, like I say, so it's one of the best episodes and it's one of the like absolutely absurd jokes, but it just, it works in the moment is when Homer finds the sugar and Marge is trying to tell him, get rid of it. And he's like, you know, he's like, I got to protect the sugar. And he's like, nobody wants the sugar. And then he pulls out the, the English guy drinking the tea. <laughs> and the, like, that is so stupid. It's so silly. And it, yeah, yeah. I, I remember the first time I watched it, I was in tears laughing at it. And like, it was almost like I knew everything I knew the guy was going to say I nicked it straight away because they like it was just the way the way he walks off and he goes goodbye and every part of it just made sense even though it was like out of nowhere and then it cuts to the the two beekeepers and they're basically you know it's basically Adam West Batman as a beekeeper mm. and that's so silly but it just it, it the episode creates the context for all of that yes, really yeah. early on so even though. Yeah. Even though it's 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 bizarre and it's strange and you don't see it coming, it it it's set up early on because it's it spends so much time with Homer like selling sugar door to door that it's like okay this mm. is silly but it's it just works better as opposed to it being a completely out of left field thing kind of it's like why is Homer on a ladder in the first place outside the like yeah. none of that makes no sense you know and yeah and I think that and, Family Guy kind of kind of did nail that type of stuff because. Like, as you said, Simpsons will kind of have these, like, f- like f- uh, far out kind of gags, but it was con- in context, it was re- relevant to the show or whatever, to the storyline. But Family Guy would just be like, do you remember that time? And then it would just cut to it. Like, they didn't have to have a necessary context. They were just animating a gag or a punchline or something. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Simpsons would definitely try to, to do a bit of that at some stage. And it just wasn't that successful. It was like, it was, it was like they were trying to be quirky and random, but it was so forced. Yeah, I heard, I heard somebody say at one point that when The Simpsons got started, or when The Simpsons were starting out, a lot of its references were films of old Hollywood. There's a lot of Citizen Kane and Mr. Burns. Yep. There's a lot of Alice in Wonderland. There's, yeah, a lot of, yeah. there's a lot of, like, the references were the, the media of... you Not know, like Ronan, uh, growing up, probably. Uh, 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 yeah, I mean, Conan is the guy everybody thinks of as a as a Simpsons writer, but there was a wider range of... Like, I don't know their names is the, is the thing, but, like... These are the things that they grew up watching. Whereas at a certain point, the writers that were writing on The Simpsons were referencing The Simpsons. Yes, yeah. Which is mental. Yeah. It's a good point, though. It's a, good, it's a really good point. Like, people would have grown up watching The Simpsons, becoming a writer for The Simpsons. It's even when you watch RuPaul now. RuPaul has been going on for 13 years. You can imagine, like, there was... 35 seasons. 35 seasons <laughs> I, I'm just guessing I just lo- I just love the way that like it used to be a season a year but now they roll out two yeah, seasons reality so. TV has two or three seasons 
a year, year yeah. yeah. Well, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah. But we just say, but like, but like, we say it's going on for at least ten years, anyways. Maybe. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. But it's just like there could have been a ten-year-old watching that, mm-hmm. you know. Fast forward ten years and around whatever season, and it's just like that's so different from the initial few people who were on the the first seasons, uh, and kind of like say, uh, yeah, being like the the kind of the the the, the front line of. Uh, making that stuff mainstream essentially or household names and all that kind of stuff and then like it must be so different from people growing up from 10 years old watching RuPaul and then being on the show you know Brian you're you must be watching on Disney Plus then yeah yeah so then I guess what I'll be curious to see next week or the week after or whatever is at what point you decide now I'm done with this yeah like uh, what, uh, where is the line off the top of my head like I feel like it started to decline a bit kind of from around season nine or ten i think like because but the the one i remember specifically deciding kind of and it might have happened sooner but the one for me i think was i think it was season 13 and not only was it not funny but it was like aggravating to watch was the scream a pillar episode i don't know if you guys remember that one where there's I, I remember the little thing screaming. Yeah. It was it was something on the tr- it was uh, an endangered animal on their tree that they couldn't get rid of and it was keeping them from sleeping, is that it? Yeah, and, but they they also yeah. had to they were I think I had one funny line in this, to be fair, where <laughs> I think they're kind of charged with its uh you know, protection essentially. Yeah, yeah, and they they're reading about it and on top of it screaming all the time and like it being really, you know, frustrating and then it affecting their sleep and stuff. I think there's a line in it where Homer's like reading about its its behavior and characteristics, and I think it says it's a uh, sexually attracted to fire or something like that. I think, it's, I think it's the one laugh in the episode, and then the rest of it, like by the time the episode was over, I was just like, that was real. That was actually it wasn't just not funny; it was frustrating and annoying to yeah. watch. And I think I don't know that episode. To be honest, I can't. Think it's of it. bad. It's really bad. What season was that? 13? I think that was thirteen. Yeah. <clears throat> what else happened in that season? Do you know? It was season thirteen, episode twenty-one. For anybody that wants to go and have a look at it. The takeaway there is let's let's get a report back from Brian at which point yeah, he goes, which, at which point yeah, can I can I can you stands it no more? God, it's no. very Futurama looking. I watched the Friends reunion. Yuck. <laughs> Friends is a funny one because I think since it got cancelled in two thousand and four, the people that grew up watching it definitely went through an arc of like this is a show that was must see TV to this is guilty pleasure television to. I'll watch it if it's on in the background to I've raised my children on it (laughs) to kids absolutely love it again. And it's kind of this, it is this kind of larger than life sort of thing. You know, you you go, oh, it's a shit sitcom. It's as good. Yeah, I I don't, I don't want to say it's a shit sitcom. It's a good sitcom and people love it. One of my friends pretty much learned English from it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. It's this kind of universal thing and you kind of dismiss it. But in watching this reunion thing, you do stop and go, this has had a massive effect on people for, it ran from 94 to 2004 and we're in 2021 talking about it. I didn't realise it ran to 2004 because I do remember like the finale and stuff from watching it, but I didn't think I was in secondary school at the time. If if, if anything, I thought it was probably like sixth class, sixth class uh, first year maybe, but I didn't realise it ran to 2004. I don't know if I watched it that It was much. still running when we started college, Brian. Yeah, I I remember talking about it in secondary school. I think it was on Monday nights with Father Ted. Mm. Yes, and like yeah, it was, the, yeah. the next day, you know, you'd be. I think there was a third show on as well. Scrubs have, was on around that time as well. Yeah, and there might have been a panel 
or Irish panel show as well, like maybe so Don't Feed the Gondola or something like that. But or the uh, the Blizzard of Odd. Yeah, yeah. There, there was some. But I just remember the, like the, the next day, you know, talking about Father Ted and like new episodes of Father Ted and Friends, mm-hmm. and being a fan. But I stopped being a fan before the show was cancelled. I think there's a point where it just really that again it was it was aggravating to watch the characters were caricatures of of themselves like they really pushed everybody's kind of defining thing to the to the limit yeah and, like, like ross got so much more ridiculous ross yeah. ross was painful to watch I, I know people find that pivot line funny but i was just i i remember watching that episode when it was new and just That's kind of going as well though you know hmm? yeah you know but 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 but, but for me yeah, that was a, that was kind of like a point where i was just like this show anymore i think it's aged very poorly as well like i i would have thought it was quite funny before that and then going back and watching even those earlier episodes it's 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 aged quite a bit well i mean it it, it's you look back and you see like the technology they're using it's it's aged but but not 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 i mean yeah not just in that sense though i just did a lot of the the type of humor and stuff but i'd say the same thing about seinfeld like i was never a huge seinfeld fan and by the time I was watching Seinfeld, I felt like I was watching something that was old. decades old. Mm. And mm. when I even go back then and watch, I mean, pick any episode anywhere. It's it's either, again, the technology or the style of humor is, I was never a big fan yeah. anyway. So It's it's funny that you said about Seinfeld because I, def- I can definitely relate um, in terms of like when, when I would have watched Seinfeld, I definitely felt... Uh, yeah, older, decades old. But I was probably watching Everybody Loves Raymond, which was probably around the same time. And I, when I think back of it, it doesn't doesn't look as dated in my head. Mm-hmm. But like, I think I don't know if I'm I'm trying to lay claim to some degree of fucking um, superhuman sitcom watching skill. Like Paramount Comedy Channel would start at six forty five with an episode of Different Strokes, then there'd be Taxi. You know, like. I grew up watching shows that were 20 years old. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm the same. So, so would have I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, I, I, I had RDE. Everything was at least 20 years old yeah. in RDE. <laughs> so, like, I still love Seinfeld. I still love Seinfeld. Though you do go back and watch it now and go, like, there's a number of moments where, like, the, the sponge episode is sort of a famous one. The contraceptive sponge is discontinued and he finds that his girlfriend is stocked up and has a wardrobe full of contraceptives. And he's like, ugh, she's perverted. That as a mindset is like, but she's got contraceptive and she's prepared for sex in her life. Yeah, like, it's, that's a, it's such a, there's a lot of bad takes. Yeah, it was just, you. it's frustrating to see how, like, how close to the surface bad attitudes to certain things were not yeah, that long ago. I wasn't a fan of Seinfeld, to be honest, mm-hmm. but I definitely don't think... Uh, Say what? While it was on TV when I was younger, stuff. I just I wasn't demographic. I certainly I, I didn't understand a lot of it. To be honest, I don't think it's good. Like I think it's aged a lot, but I think even watching it, it's 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 a lot of it is derived from dated stand-up comedy anyway. Stuff that yes, st- st- stuff stuff that we can objectively say today is bad, but mm-hmm. it feels like Seinfeld is on um is on a pedestal still. Like people aren't. I don't think people look at it with an honest critical eye because I think it's I think it's genuinely poor. Right, I'm 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 gonna pivot back to Friends <laughs> um, because I do love Seinfeld. I'm currently watching it every day at lunchtime. I'm on That's season fair. eight again. I do think it holds up in many ways. It, it it it's it's 
it's badly it's badly acted Ooh. have you heard of um king it's of queens so, it, it is badly acted it, it is it, I'm going to bring this back. Really to the, I, I, I don't want to get. I don't want to get into this argument. I this is an argument. I, I, it is badly acted. You I feel like Seinfeld. You cannot. I feel like Seinfeld's one of those shows where he makes a joke and he's kind of waiting for the audience to laugh at home on TV before he mm. carries on. Like, there's a lot of but ego there. I I think Jason. I think the cast around him. I love them, and I don't think Jerry's a particularly good actor. And he he famously said as much when he got an Emmy, which he said proof positive that if you surround yourself with good actors. You can look like you're act, or you can fool people into thinking you can act. Like, I love Jason Alexander as George. I they're, they're, Michael Richards. They're good. <laughs> well, we, we can't even thing. talk about him. Um, he he kind of let himself down to say the least. I, I it's that it's that Kramer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shitbag. <laughs> no, you want Dreyfus is the best. Yeah, like I'm not, I'm not saying they're bad actors. I'm saying yeah. that show is it, that show is like watching or Dreyfus. Sorry. It's like watching mm-hmm. people. It's like watching people do theater on TV. You know? Yeah, that's exactly it. We're waiting for the audience it, to it's laugh. That, yeah, it's that, that's exactly it's it. broad and it, it just doesn't work on camera. And it's, I mean, theater on TV doesn't look good because they're they're okay. they're, they're okay. performing in a different way. Uh, Dreyfus is fucking brilliant, clearly. Like, yeah, yes, Veep, yeah, Veep yeah. is. I love Veep. I hope she's in the MCU more. But, no, she definitely she is. is. You don't. Yeah. You don't stunt. You don't bring a, you don't, a heavy hitter like that. You don't stunt cast somebody like that and make a big deal out of their entrance. And she'll be in the Secret but, Invasion show. Or yeah, if you want um, a good good sitcom, Aiden, I recommend King of Queens. It's far superior humor humor wise and acting. Can we just put a bleep over that whole <laughs> sentence? Kevin I James. love King of Queens. It's great. I've seen all of it. Patton Oswalt, Patton Oswalt James I'm, Stiller. I'm walking out. Uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, um, Brian. <laughs> hold on. Just to um, come back to the original point that this all came up from. Friends reunion. People gave it some shit. Um, I've heard a lot of people going out about Corden. Hey, look, it's it's given us the Matt LeBlanc meme. That's which it. Is... It's given us what? There's a Matt LeBlanc meme going around on Twitter. If you haven't seen it, we'll share oh, it Oh, I've you. seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. He's just sitting there. Talking about jeans. But I was going to say, um, like, I liked Friends when it was on. Nostalgic. Not necessarily vibing on it so much in the last, like, 10 years. Yeah. So. And that, and that a lot, that's a lot of people, you know. Mm. Except, mm. you know, a new generation has found it on Netflix and watched the fuck out of it. Which is great. Aiden, is this, is this a one, is it a one-off reunion episode? Or is it's this... a one-off reunion event. And they say, oh, the, 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 it's never been done before type of shite goes out. But is, is it one episode? And it's that's not even an episode. Right. It's, yeah, it's one and done. And it's, it's like what they did five years or ten years after MASH aired, which was something they also showed on the Paramount Comedy Channel, this, this reunion episode, where they just put the whole cast in chairs, sat them around and said, so how did you enjoy making the show? And it's mm. an interview. It's it's a two hour retrospective. Oh, right. Yeah. See, I thought it was a TV, a scripted TV Friends reunion, yeah. and I thought, wow, amazing. But then, like, it's like it's not but, a friend of the union, though. It's just no. It's not. But it is a reunion. Like Lisa Kudrow gets asked the question, like, would you come back and and do another episode? And she went. She says, and it's the kind of best argument for it. It the they talked about it with the producers, and they said they made a point of making sure everybody ended up in a happy ending, a happily yes. ever after. In order yeah. to make new episodes, they have to unhappy someone's ending. Why would we do that? Yeah, and fair. I I think it's a very nice diplomatic answer. And it's also, it can only hurt it. I don't think two Sex and the City movies helped the legacy of Sex and the City. You know? I think they've, they've ended it in a good place. 
I think if they sat around for two hours this with James Corden asking them the questions, it would be insufferable. There is a section where they have a live audience, and obviously people sat there for an hour or an hour and a half, and they're in front of the fountain from the credits, and he's asking them questions. And then there's a section where they have a sort of cast and crew get together, and they walk through the old sets, and they talk about their memories from that. They do some activities with an audience where they kind of recreate the quiz thing, where they play mm-hmm. the better the department so they ask each other trivia questions about the show and they have guest stars come in so tom Selleck comes in and mr heckles from downstairs um they have pieces to camera with people that viewed it and with celebrities that love it and all of that stuff is cut together over the one hour and 40 minute runtime so you round about the time it's getting a bit too saccharine with them sitting on the couches crying at each other it cuts to james corden and they ask a question and then it cuts to whatever and I think they did a good job of it, and I think people would be miserable at giving out about anything they got. Is Gunther in it? He does pop up, and it's... I guess it must be COVID-related, but, like, it's odd that, like... It's odd the people that they had show up in person and then do a Zoom thing with him. Hmm. Justin Bieber shows up dressed as a potato. Because of Ross's Spudnik. I heard, I heard James... Gordon was insufferable. But that's what I'm saying. He's not. He's not insufferable. Ah, he is, though. Come He's on. barely in it. Oh, he well, is. he might be insufferable as a person, as a presence. I'm fine with him. But he's not in it enough to be insufferable. He really isn't. And what people are just giving mm. out about Gordon. I think, though, the thing is, the audience has such a nostalgia for the show that you mm. could also do an episode just checking in seeing where yeah. they are and like you know a lot of the humor of the 10 years the show was on air was just derived from you know little things happening in their lives and kind of making a jokes life of yeah so like you, yeah. you, you could easily follow up on them and just you know derive some humor you, you could have a modern family type episode with them and their kids and stuff you don't need sure. you don't necessarily need high drama like yeah you're giving everybody a happy ending and happily ever after means you know, nothing else happened after this point. So let's end it there. But at the same time, like, you know, I don't need it because like I said, I'm not a fan of the show, but I think the target audience would have quite liked a, you know, drama free episode episode or a handful of episodes where you're just popping in and going, you know, we know we left them here and where are they now? And just, just, yeah, I don't know. Even if they did like little three minute bits, gags. Yeah. Like like the show was cut with just gags. Sorry, Adam. I a hundred percent hear what you're saying. It makes it makes sense as well. I just don't think it'd be worth it. And I think I think mm. if they're smart, they'll stick to their guns on this. Cause well, well, they, will. they they had a, they did the whole thing where Lisa's Kudrow sang Smelly Cat. And it's like Smelly Cat wasn't funny after the first couple of episodes. Like the first time you heard Smelly Cat, you're like, That's a funny, awful song. And then it became a thing and it's like by the time they've got a fucking um, like a choir and Lady Gaga singing it for three minutes in this thing, you're like, "This does that actually I don't think does that need. actually happen?" Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We don't need poor Lisa Kudrow. They if they were to make a reunion episode, like an episode, we'd check in on Phoebe's and she would sing Melly Cat, and we'd check in on Chandler, and he'd say, "Could I be any more?" And it's just not worth doing to me anyway. But that's the Friends reunion. Yeah, Emer and I were just like, we were flicking through stuff on TV the other day and like kind of uh, a trailer for one of the Sex in the City movies came up and um, Kim Cattrall 
was mm. saying to like, or I think it was Kim Cattrall, I can't remember. But uh, and I watched Sex and City back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never watched a movie. That has also aged horribly. Yes, it horribly, has. Yeah. Horribly, yeah. But I was going to say, I watched I watched it back in the day uh, for reasons. And uh, then um, <laughs> Aiden's eyebrows. <laughs> storylines, Aiden. It was good storylines. Kim Cattrall. But um, she, uh, she said, she... If you're jacking off to Sex and the City. No, it was a family show, you weirdo. <laughs> Anyways... Um, no, I was gonna say, uh, it's like there was just it's, it's just a trailer for it, and she said, like, I think she must be dating dating some uh, really successful rich person or something. But she says, kind of like, oh, we can go to Dubai or something, and he says, I could bring three of my closest friends, and we can go first class and blah blah. <laughs> it's just you're watching it going like that. Literally sounds like the plot. Like a ten year old would write for like you know your dream summer vacation, and it's just like. You know, Mam says we can go on holiday. I can bring my cheek closest friends, and we get to go first class. You know, it's just like it's just like it's a real flimsy plot. How did and they're they're buddy. coming back for more episodes on HBO. Yeah, well, they must have buried the hatchet then, did they? Because there was there was there was was there a hatchet between some of them? Really, Brian would probably know more than me. I, I think it was more that um, Kim Cattrall's character was probably more probably the most popular character, but. Mm. Um, Sarah Jessica Parker was still like the star of the show and I think Cattrall just wanted what she felt more she was owed and then but then they tried to paint her as being the one blocking the whole thing from from yeah. going ahead at all so and there was there was something to do with a uh, um, I think someone's passing and uh, talking about it on Twitter or offering condolences on Twitter and not doing it privately or something I can't remember but there was like beef between Kim Cattrall and maybe Sarah Jessica Parker. I can't remember. Something right. like that. Could be completely wrong. Could have been another one of my Kim Cattrall dreams. I can't think I say your name right. I don't Kim Cattrall? Had a dream about McGregor last night. And he was really mean to me. Whatever, whatever. Moving on. And did that work for you? <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> moving into the news and trailers. I don't want to Met my expectations, to say the least. That's what McGregor said, and then he slapped him in the face. He didn't fucking slap me. The helicopter did come down and start firing bullets at us, so everybody scattered. And then I had to look for a dog. So, in the news and trailers end of things, Oscar Isaac confirmed to be playing Moon Knight. I mean... Did we not? I thought that was already confirmed. I mean, they showed training videos of them doing some fight choreography and stuff. Is that really from Moon Knight, though? Like, I saw thumbnails of him training, and I saw, like, the, the title said that, but I assumed that was some sort of just clickbait that, you know, they, they'd taken training footage of him from literally anything else, and then somebody said, oh, this is Moon Knight training. Like, I don't know if that I was ever confirmed like I to be... that. Okay. I feel like I double checked that at the time because it was like it was coming from Isaac's Instagram account. It was it was coming from Isaac's Instagram account and it had like hashtag, you know, sky. But is it isn't he you know I mean? like, isn't he also playing Solid Snake in Metal Gear Solid? There, uh, he lobbied because for the train the training. I I think it's confirmed. Oh, it, it's your man um, who's doing Vote Rob Vote Roberts Jordan Vote Jordan Vote Roberts. Yeah, I never yeah. knew. It. Uh, from Kong Skull Island yeah. and Godzilla versus King Kong. I believe that's been confirmed. And like that training, to be was, honest. Was it the guy from the Terminator as well? Who? No. The guy who looks like an action hero version of Quentin Tarantino. Are, are we talking about the director? 
Oh, directors. I don't know. Yeah. No. The director's got like a, well, up until recently, he had like a three foot beard. No, I don't know. But yeah, and like what I'm saying is that training could have also been for, that looks much more like Metal Gear Solid type training than anything you'd expect to see Moon Knight doing. I don't know. I just assumed it, I assumed it was bullshit. Moon Knight's also a mercenary. I don't think that's yeah, the route they're did, going did with. Did you it, read though. the Shalvi run on that? I think everybody did. I read a couple of issues of it. Yeah, I yeah I would have read it. I would have read Finch's stuff in all about all five or six, and then I would have sporadically read Moon Knight kind of say a few bits before that and Wear Up a Night and stuff. So I mean, if they what I love this show to be is just like six episodes. Let's just do the Shalvi run, and one in there is rescuing a kidnapped kid, and they just did the raid for the comic book. And it's just yeah. a fight up a building. And it's a cool comic. Very, like, nice, clean, just good layout. It'd be, just it, the it, fight flows it'd be, yeah. it'd be strange for that to leak so far ahead of time, though. What? True. If that was, if that was training footage, yeah. Like, that's... I, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying, yeah. Anyways, definitely in favor of him as, as Moon Knight. I think so, too. Content with that. We had Craven being cast this week. Yes. Kick ass, right? Mm-hmm. Aaron Tyler, something. Taylor. Like Aaron, Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson. Um, the guy's a great actor. Fair. He's great. Yeah. Nocturnal Animals, he can do it. He's an asshole in that, you know. What's. It's a standalone Craven the Hunter movie. I'm not I'm not sure I'm into that, to be honest, as a concept. They're, they're really. Sony, I mean, there's been stories forever that Sony mm. really, really Sinister wants to do Six. Sinister Six. Yeah, so bizarre. It, it it makes it makes sense though when you think about it because they've they've got they they've got you know one of the biggest characters in Marvel, mm. but in terms of heroes, that's all they have. But then they've got this mm-hmm. entire rogues gallery, and yeah. it's quite a famous, popular rogues gallery. So it makes sense mm-hmm. to. To, yeah, to, to make to make stuff out that, of those that, properties. That's the thing that makes perfect sense. What what what? It's just a phrase. Oh, they really want to. I don't think they really want to. I think they're going to make use of the things they have available to them. I think they wish they had the Avengers. You know what I mean? But that's what I mean. Like they they they. That's what they have. They've got Spider Man. But then they have yeah. his entire rogues gallery. You know. Yeah. But you have to. You you're you're forced to. They make they're they're making um they're making Spider Woman as well though. They're making Spider Woman as well. Yeah, like it? Olivia Wilde is directing Spider Woman, isn't she? Oh wow! Um, well, she broke Jason's to take his heart. So. <laughs> um, what about did she, uh? Did she break his heart? Yes. Um, what Do they about have two kids together? Yeah, she's she's with Harry Styles now. I mean, that makes sense. Fuck you. Fuck you. I think they're going to do a, a, a silk spider silk thing as well, I believe. So. Obviously, Sony must have some sort of thing that kind of like any character had debuted in a Spider-Man comic is they have the rights to, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Do they have the rights to the, 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 the Punisher initially appear in Spider-Man first? Well, they sold who made the Punisher movie. That was... Lion Gate, wasn't it? I did hear, and I don't know if it's true, but I only heard it this week and it makes sense. Uh, the end of Spider Man Two. They're, Peter pa- or Tom McGuire or Andrew Garfield. Uh, McGuire. Okay. The end of Spider Man Two. Tom Jane's stunt person from Punisher is in the last frame. 
of Spider-Man 2. And the idea being was that it was supposed to be Tom Jane in the shot because they wanted to set up a, a Tom Jane Spider-Man for uh, the next film. But essentially, there's a character in there who looks exactly like Tom Jane's Punisher and it's because it was played by his stunt person and the point was to set up a Spider-Man Punisher movie. I'm going to look, I'm going to so, look into that. So I wonder, do they own... Tonight, Kev's going to dream about Tom Jane being mean to him. He looks like Christopher Lambert. No, Tom Jane would never be mean to me. You shut your filthy mouth. But I guess if... I'm his only fan. If Netflix made Daredevil and Punisher, mm. those rights have now reverted again. So who owned Daredevil when Affleck was in it? 20th Century Fox. That was Fox. So if it went Fox, it expired with Fox, went to Netflix. But then does that mean that does that mean J- Thomas Jane was with, or like Thomas Jane's Punisher, was that with Sony or was that with Fox? Hmm. Because that reverted to Netflix. Well, no, it reverted to Marvel and then they sold it to Netflix. So who has it now? So, but my question, my, my, what I was kind of leading to, we just assumed that Sony owned the rights to Spider-Man and any character that has debuted in a Spider-Man comic. It's the same as uh, 20th Century Fox was with X-Men. That's why they used to start introducing like, uh, characters that they had planned to use in X-Men storylines in other books so they they weren't necessarily debut characters in the X-Men universe so if they wanted to use them for other stuff they could it could have been say X-23 for example could have first featured in a kind of Avengers book and then would have been in a X-Men storyline mm-hmm. so I'm just thinking if Sony have a similar thing where it's like any character that was debuted in a Spider-Man book uh, what character would you like to see instead from the from the Spider-Man canon yeah like kind of like because I'd imagine the Destroyer probably he may have the Destroyer was in Spider Man, but I don't know if he uh, debuted in Spider Man originally. Probably he probably didn't. He was probably more post war. Hobgoblin is one I'm like, okay, this is a guy that like got himself some goblin tech and just made himself a mercenary. And depending on which version you've got on it, you know, he's just like a, a you know soldier of fortune trying to make some money, or he's trying to be a hero with a bad guy's tech. So. Um, I think there's room to do either. That's great. That. Yeah, that's that's what I was kind of thinking. Of. Like, I'd like to see like something like that, for sure. You know, like even even the fact that like at a certain point, Hobgoblin is threatened by Green Goblin because you've stolen my shit, and there's a, a an enmity there. Didn't one of the websites report this week that William Dafoe potentially could be the villain in the next Spider-Man movie? For uh, is it No Way Home? No Way Home. Yeah. Well, the the story is. The story is, is that they've brought everybody back for, for some sort of cameo. I, I really think what this film is setting up is taking Tom Holland out of the MCU. That's why it's called No Way Home. Hmm. I think that I don't like it. I think that's the point. No. Is I mean if if you look at the fact that what they've established with WandaVision and that the Doctor Strange film is called Multiverse of Madness, and Doctor Strange is going to be in No Way Home. I think I think they're essentially going to do a sort of Spider Verse, but live action with Tom Holland, and it's going to end with him being in stuck somewhere else. Yeah, a universe that looks like the MCU one, but isn't. Maybe you know. I think it, that's the point. It's, it's going to end like the Spider Man character in the nineties. It could have a Madam uh, Web yeah. thing that just yeah. goes nowhere. Yeah. You know, fucking hell! I remember yeah. that as a kid. That feels like Sony fucking it up. <laughs> But, yeah, but Disney, Disney are just like, we're going to do our thing. We're going to make it we're great. We're taking and our ball luck. and going home. Yeah. So just to keep us moving, the Eternals trailer 
happened this week. Was that this week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was like Monday or Tuesday. Was that yeah. was that this week? Yeah, yeah I know. Jesus I was Christ. surprised as well. I was putting my list together, and I was. This was like, the longest oh, week ever. It was yeah. rough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Eternals was Monday. Oh my um, god. I definitely have more uh, grey hairs. I really like it. Um I'm I, I saw somebody refer to it as the, the century spanning film The Eternals, and that worries me because I wanted uh uh I mean there there's ways to do it as a Highlander thing with sort of flashbacks, I guess, but it's like I don't want to I don't want to follow a narrative through a long period of time. I want to like just get us into the MCU. We're here and now. We can do some little flashbacks. We can establish them at the start of the film at the beginning of humanity. Let's just get to the point where it matters for the MCU. Question. Question. So you've obviously seen the memes of, um, you know, uh, the Eternals. Matt LeBlanc. Yes, Matt LeBlanc. The Eternals, like it was like I saw one where it was like... um, a scene from one of the Spider-Man Tobey Maguire movies where it's just like uh, you know uh, Thanos uh, wipes out half the world and like it's like the Turners are just looking the other direction you know all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of memes like that um, but I was going to say like will this be set before or after because they do mention the Avengers don't they they mention it in that moment at the end yeah but that was like a, I, f- I felt like that was like a final scene in the movie sorry Brian the present day part will be set after Endgame I'd imagine but it's going to cut through events, you know, kind of millennia. Span, span millennia. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think the present the present day part is post Endgame. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, the movie does the trailer doesn't give you a lot in terms of storyline as such, but I like that. There, there's an official synopsis though that that kind of points where it's going. I, I think if you've, I mean, I, I saw John Romita illustrated. Is it Gaiman? It's it's internal issues amongst immortals, really, isn't it? Whether or not to interfere, whether or not to rule the planet, mm, whether or not yeah, to, yeah. Um, you know, after a couple of millennia of watching us fall fucking under. Um, let's Jim Starlin said a couple of years ago that there was going to be a young Thanos in the film. That would be interesting. And there's concept art for that. There's concept art for it too, as well. Yeah. We've seen that he's very lean. I, it, what is funny to me is like every time you see um, it, it will be I don't know it's a, it's a TV trope I spot where like every time they want to do a flashback to like a character who's much 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 younger, like Dexter is the worst for it. Uh, if you ever watch Dexter, it's just um, Michael C. Hall, just terrible long wigs, just terrible wigs. Oh, he's younger, shitty hair, you know. So I like the idea of young Thanos just having a bad wig. <laughs> yeah, yeah, imagine, yeah. Uh, here, look, Eternals. I'm up for it. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I've I don't know. Like, I've definitely have like, I, and I'm rewatching. Like I said, the the MCU and stuff, and I love it. You know, I really mm-hmm. do love it. Even like movies that I previously would have kind of uh, said were stinkers. It's like mm-hmm. I actually going back, kind of appreciate aspects of them a lot more. And I just I have a lot of faith in I, these movies. I, I think it's quite funny that when they first said they were going to make this, we were all like why like, we don't want this like who yeah like they, they've picked such a a c tier kind Ob- of obscure yeah, yeah and then we kind of heard they were casting them and we're like okay i mean that that cast is kind of cool and then we saw some concept art and we were just like we're, we're still kind of saying why and now mm-hmm. we're, we're so yeah. starved for, I know, for any yeah. kind of mcu stuff we're like 
give it to me. I want it now. You know, it's yeah. it it kind of it's it's played out very very well for them in a the sense that it's been delayed yeah. twice, and people have gone from kind of saying you know no interest. This is not where so we, this is true. not this is not where yeah. we want the MCU to head next. To then going, Jesus Christ, I can't wait to see where it's heading next and how these they play into it. It's it's been very very lucky for them in a very I I think they way. did a great job as well with that trailer because I didn't know what tone to expect going into it. Going into the going into an Eternals movie, I had no idea what I was going to expect um and I was really excited though the music worked it had a real grand sense of scale. I was really ha- I was I was surprised that I was like the music worked well, the shots were really epic, the Also the- like this initially was this was initially going to be released before Chloe Zhao had won an Oscar. But now by the time yeah. it's coming out they they can say, you know, Oscar winning Oscar winning director whereas I think this was originally due November Last, last year, year yeah. so yeah, it's yeah. it's it's been it's played out really well for them. Yeah, and it was also, you know, it was written, built, conceived, and supposed to be released before any of the events of Falcon the Winter Soldier, mm-hmm. uh, Loki, WandaVision, so or Black Widow was supposed to have been out before it. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and I suppose Black Widow will still be out before it. It's just curious to Black Widow's in a couple of weeks, then, isn't it? July, um, I think. It's, I'm just curious to see how both of those films fare, given that the shows that were supposed to come out after. Not that it, how they'd fare, but just curious to see what Easter eggs were being laid ahead of the TV. I think, uh, oh, it's probably too big a spoiler, so maybe I shouldn't say. About what, Eternals? Yeah. Do we know it? I don't know. Is, 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 I, I, is I, it, you have hypothesizing this to you. Let's, let's leave it out, so. Let's leave it out, so. Yeah. I, I think they have potentially put a hint into Endgame. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, okay. Potentially. Okay, fair. That's okay, fair. Um also out this week, uh trailer wise, I'm gonna move through three short ones quickly. I saw a trailer for The Duke, which is Jim Broadbent, Helen Mirren around about a painting heist in the sixties. Looks fun. It's got good reviews. I do like these um not to undersell it, but like yeah, I, I like a small British movie that you know, it's like your full Monty kind of thing. You know, it's just it gets mm. released. It's decent. Um, I like that cast. Like he's he's a guy who decides to steal a uh, painting of uh, one of the royal family and ransom it back to the government for money to be uh, uh, donated to the war widows, veterans pensions charities, and then like you can see very clearly from the trailer, there's a, a trial around. He clearly gets caught. And What's it called? What's the, uh, the called? Duke. The painting oh, the of the Duke okay. gets stolen. And okay. they're trying to decide whether or not he's a criminal or whether or not he's a he's a social change activist or whether or not he should be and it looks fun. It looks funny. Um hopefully they haven't just cut the trailer that way and it's a tragedy, but there's the Duke. Also, there's a trailer for Dan Brown's The Lost Symbol, which is on Peacock, and looks like they're trying to do uh, do the TV Jack Ryan for uh, Tom Hanks's Robert Langdon character, and I don't know if you guys watched the Da Vinci Code or uh, I think I actually have. Hell, what were the, the what were the two after that? There's there's three of those Angel and Demons Angel, and Inferno. I've never watched those ones though. They got a trilogy out of that. Mm. Um, 
Very popular books at the time, though. Poor Audrey Tattoo. Very popular books. Hmm? Poor Audrey Tattoo. Poor, poor... I do think about that, especially when you see the second movie and they cast someone who's a bit like Audrey Tattoo to play a similar sidekick character. Mm -hmm. She was coming off of Amelie. That was supposed to be her break into Hollywood. And was touted as her moving into American film. Um, And what happened to her? It was a shit film and she didn't really get... I'm going to... Uh I'm probably wrong, but she... Um, you didn't see much of her crossover after that fact. Um, she did the was the French film Priceless. E- um, yes, I think that was good fun. Mm-hmm. But it it's it's set in Washington. It's National Treasure meets The Da Vinci Code meets Jack Ryan. Sign Kev up. Um, yes, I love National Treasure. What's um what's this called? Uh, this is uh, the lost symbol. So it's oh, the, how did how round. did Robert oh. Langdon get? No, I thought I thought you said the origins of Robert Langdon. Uh-huh. I thought you said Dan Brown. I was thinking of a man who does all the the uh, illusions. Darren Brown. <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. I mean, I've enjoyed a Darren Brown. Laugh at me. <laughs> the push was pretty good. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. I'd... Also on the list is the Tomorrow War with Chris Pratt. That looks a little like Tenet, oddly enough. Um, it looks like Tenet from the bad guy's point of view. People travelling through time to fight a war. It. Did you guys watch that trailer? I saw the posters for it and uh, I don't know, I just wasn't really kind of grabbed by it. I think Brian put me off Chris Pratt, even though me and Chris Pratt morally, spiritually, emotionally and mentally are the same person. And physically. Mm. Careful yep. there, Kev. No, we're not. We're not. He's, <laughs> he's a nutbag. He's a nutbag. We're not. We're not. Although, Kevin also attends a church that funds uh, gay conversion. I absolutely <laughs> do not. <clears throat> yeah. Um, um, I don't attend any church. No. Um, uh, but I was going to say, he did offer his truck to help people move, I think, at one stage. That was kind of nice. Yeah. Look, I, I don't want to get into the, the pros and cons of Chris Pratt. Let's just talk about the movie. Um that was a joke. I, I, w- I will forever remember uh, walking into the art and hobby shop to buy some paints when we found out that uh, him and his uh, first wife had broken up and he was with that Schwarzenegger person. Yeah. I, heard the two, I heard the two girls at the counter going, she's after stealing Chris Pratt from her, the little bitch. And I was like, <laughs> is this... What's her name? Kathy Schwarzenegger. Is this her fault or is this Chris Pratt after... Yeah, I think I think it's... I uh, To be honest, like... I, I like Chris Pratt. I think he's very... he's I like Chris, Chris Pratt when he's acting and stuff. He's just like... He's like a kind of a Will Farrell type of character in terms of... Mm. He's funny. I like him. Blah, blah, blah. However, uh, like, and I don't know anything. I, I, Brian does tell me something, to be honest. When I saw the trailer for it, I was like, meh. Like, or to post it for the war tomorrow, I wasn't really too keen. It's whatever. Yeah. But I was going to say, when he did leave, because it was some... What's, what's his, what was his previous wife's name? Something Mia... Anna Faris. I, I did think that was so shitty because it's just like she was good enough for you when you were a B-lister and now you're this A-lister and you're off with bloody, you know, Schwarzenegger's daughter. Uh, and I just think like it's kind of, it's, it's a big reflection of him to be honest and anything to do with that poor woman, you know? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. You never know the ins and outs of a person's relationship. The The issue we would have with Chris is his, his um, political and, and religious associations after the fact. This movie looks like fine B-movie sci-fi fodder. It might be good fun. Um, I will probably watch it. Um, the thing I was going to say was that it has uh, Edge of Tomorrow um, I just sent you a screenshot aliens. that 
when I first scrolled on YouTube and saw the trailer was posted, I could have sworn it was Tom Cruise from Edge of Tomorrow. Wow, yeah. yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, it it doesn't even look like him. It's it's this weird... It, it is odd, isn't it? Yeah. it? I don't know, maybe it's a stuntman and they've face replaced his head on it. He looks he looks like a little bit he looks like a mixture of Luke Evans and um He finally remembered Luke Evans' name. <laughs> yes. He's always got Luke Evans on the brain. He's, I Luke love Evans Luke Evans. Yeah, we know. Yeah. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Luke Evans and um also my, my other kind of man crush. I still, it's like I have like one like oh I have a man crush. I, I have many. Your man Patrick. Oh god, why can't I think of his name? Uh evil guy in Aquaman two. Uh, Night Owl and Watchmen. Patrick Wilson. Uh, yeah, he looks like a mixture between those two. He he always looked a bit like Patrick Wilson. I I've I've seen there's there's even I think it's the screenshot or poster with Jennifer Lawrence and him for Passengers, and he looks like Patrick Wilson on that. And I think Patrick Wilson uh, is in a movie also called Passengers, but it's about something different. Also, I do like Patrick Wilson. One of my favorite lines in Kimmy Schmidt is when <laughs> when Titus gets drunk. And I think it's Josh Charles from The Good Wife and Titus after getting drunk and he gets more and more masculine and he just says something along the lines of, I can't remember how, he says something and it's like, you Patrick Wilson looking motherfucker. <laughs> but he, 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 says it, he, he says it with such like animosity. Uh, Titus is yeah. a brilliant character. Oh, he's phenomenal. Yeah. The, the aliens suffer from the edge of tomorrow alien thing to me where they're just like amorphous mess of tentacles that you can't see what the fuck is happening. Mm, and yeah. I was watching this trailer thinking it reminded me of just CG special effects allow for such complexity that sometimes clarity gets lost. And Less if you is think, more. If you think about the practical alien horde of non-human monsters that people were fighting in Starship Troopers and how clear they were in terms of their silhouette. Those are like those soldier ant monsters that had this clear, look like them. hooked look to them. Like they were very clear, very threatening, um, very alien looking creatures. Yep. Whereas Edge Tomorrow yeah. and this by the look of it is just a, a knot of tentacles. And it's like it's hard to Yeah. I I, I do think it's I do think it's too Edge of Tomorrow's detriment that it does that. But you could also make the case that Edge of Tomorrow really isn't about the aliens. Mm-hmm. It's about the it's about the loop and how he how he Maybe keeps learning and adapting. But I I do think it is a weak point, but I think it was also not the focus of the movie. And I think, that, well, I think that's why Edge of Tomorrow gets away with it as yeah. well as well as it does, is that the aliens aren't the focus, it's his experience of the war. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Edge of Tomorrow, uh Emily Blunt is obviously amazing in it. Um, but her husband John Krasinski, Krasinski, yeah, Jack Ryan, he said that uh, Robert Langdon, would, Tom Hanks, Audrey Tattoo, ha, had he, ha, if he had been offered Mister Fantastic, he said, "Hell yes, he would love to do it." Well, I, I don't even think that was a past tense type of thing. I think that's even sort of like if they still come at me and say, "Do you want to be Mister Fantastic?" Um, they, they obviously I mean, they're, they're, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. Emily right? Blunt has said. The exact opposite, though, just this week or last week. But Emily Blunt has an interview where she said the worst thing in the world for me would be to be in some sci-fi blockbuster as a spear carrier for Tom Cruise. 
and then she did the edge of tomorrow. So is let, that true? Uh, let's see where the uh, let's see where the. Um, I mean, like it's so the, it must be so hard for these actors, like because they're getting these she, questions. She said something constantly. stupid when she was twenty, and uh, that's what I mean. It's like, not but, even like, that it's, stupid. No, no but, it's not stupid. It's like, but her opinion can change, like you know. Yeah, yeah but and she shouldn't be criticized on it. But I think she said she quite recently that she doesn't want. She was talking about how she ended up not being Black Widow, and then she yeah. said that she also just doesn't want to do one of these movies quite quite explicitly but but then she's in the fucking jungle cruise this is the thing like i I think sometimes it's maybe easier to deflect something by saying yeah i'd love to and then just Mm. because because there's a similar thing with andrew garfield he's promoting something at the moment and every question he's getting asked is is he in this and you can see he's getting frustrated and and, and, like the thing is normally in these kind of junkets their publicist is just off camera and they can kind of shut it down within minutes but they're doing all these interviews over zoom now and they don't have the same they don't Mm, have the same kind of protection from the the publicist and Mm. even if even if the interviewer is told like minutes beforehand look just don't bring this stuff up they always they always shoot their shot they always got to ask which is crazy because it's like he's been asked this a hundred times do you really think he's just gonna tell you if like they've told everybody else that they're they're not but um do you do you remember there's a um there's an interview with kathleen kennedy where a guy says so who's the main villain in the Rise of the Skywalker? And Kathleen Kennedy goes, what makes you think I would answer that? And his response is, because in 1999, I asked George Lucas who the Phantom Menace was, and he said Emperor Palpatine. <laughs> no way. Because <laughs> he just asked the question, she goes, oh, it's Emperor Palpatine. That's so, hilarious. Um, yeah, like, but the likes of Emily, like, like who knows? Shot, like, like. But, like, who knows? Like, um, But what, what I'm saying is, I think it's probably easier to deflect by giving a positive answer yeah. and shut it down because yes yeah i understand that yeah, yeah the yeah. second you say no you got to kind of justify your no and then you end up saying something that that bites you in the ass two weeks or mm. a year later or something but just say oh i'd love to but uh, i don't know it was like when you're a kid or your parents hey can i can i get this or i do this it's like well um, i'll think about it and it's like you're not did i say no categorically yeah. and it's yeah. like you walk away going like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna attempt it i'm gonna let them think about it you know and then you never get a dog Whatever you might think, Emily, we would love to see you in a Fantastic Four movie. We would love to see John there with you. You guys could be the anchor of a whole new wing of Marvel. Um, it'd be great to see. But at the same time, we can understand why you wouldn't. Um, and we're going to love you anyways. That's it. Other trailer came out was Gunpowder Milkshake. Karen Gillan, Lena Headey, Michelle Yeoh, uh, Angela Bassett, Paul Giamatti, uh, kind of John Wick... Uh, assassin save the kid kind of like the transporter I guess Action movie looking kind of like shoot him up Paul I was G- going to exactly. say Paul Giamatti yeah. makes this from the universe of shoot him up all of a sudden and I want Clive Owen Paul Giamatti is a funny one I did not like shoot him up I was so disappointed it was disappointing I think did we see that in the cinema together Brian maybe we didn't I, I, I enjoyed shoot him up but I can see why you I remember you showing me the storyboards for that there was like an animatic oh, maybe of it. if you guys no maybe not but I was going to say um Paul G. Maddie is just one of these guys who does complete tripe, but good tripe sometimes, and then does like real good artsy. He he kind of has the balance, you know. He can be rhino and a, 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 a ridiculous looking, and then he can do like sideways or you know or whatever. It's like I like that. I like that Paul G. Maddie is kind of just like yeah, it's whatever, you know. I can do this, this, and this, and it's fine. It looks good. I like it. Fine. Like I, look, it's an action movie. I don't need more than that. It's fine. It's a, it's a fine looking trailer. I hope the rest of it holds together. Like I, I, I want to have fun with these things. I am she's, sick of like from the like 
Join the people that brought you John Wick. Here's some yeah. more punch kicking. It, she's the she was Nebula in MCU, <laughs> and she was in uh, the Jumanji. I don't know if she was in the second one because I haven't seen the. She's one. in the two Jumanji movies. She's Amy Pond in uh, Doctor Who. Is where we met oh, yes. Karen Gillan yeah. first. I don't um, watch that because I have taste, but. Um, <gasps> But yeah, no, she was great in she was great in uh she's been great in lots of things I've watched during like I love Jumanji. It's 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 it's, uh, it's a good movie. Yeah, I, I think I think the films I've seen her in haven't given her the room to do as much stuff as she's done in you know episodes of Doctor Who, which whatever you might think about the the quality or whatnot of of each episode, they gave her a lot of room to do you know much more dramatic stuff rather than you know little action sequences in Jumanji. As part of an ensemble, you know what I mean. I'm trying mm-hmm. to. Am I making myself clear? I, I guess like she she was able to be featured a lot in something like Doctor Who over three seasons, mm-hmm. whereas you know you become part of an ensemble in something like Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever, and you don't necessarily get your time to shine. So hopefully, hopefully this is this for Karen. But she was very good in MCU. But I think, but I, but I think she, um, I think she 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 proves that she's a, like a really competent actor. You know. Uh, I think I think she's great. But yeah, I'm happy that action movies are there's almost a higher pedigree now that they kind of have to to match because action scenes and things for so long were quite poor, and now there's this. It's cool that there's like a almost this stable and benchmark for stunts because yeah, that there's this kind of stable and benchmark for stunts now, and you know what they need really is a kind of a. A plot or a premise that that kind of matches up to it got to be fun at the end of the yeah. day like i think yeah. i think it really was kind of diminishing returns for wick two and three uh, i don't dislike them mm-hmm. but they're just they're not the same so i like the fact that we've got you know the potential for much better action sequences but you still need you still need a fun story it doesn't need to be highbrow it just needs to be engaging like nobody yeah it needs to pull you in one one of, one of the points because nobody kind of falls into that as well i've not watched um, it yet though one of the points that you made to me, Brian, about why John Wick is as good as it is, is that Keanu Reeves has at this point spent 20 years basically becoming a stunt man who knows his martial arts. And he can be mm. in such a high percentage of the, the fights and they can do things with him and three other stuntmen that you can't do with him and Ruby Rose. It's, it's one of the, yeah, like I think one of the things that really stood out for me was he's got an extended fight scene with Common. And it just doesn't look, yeah, in two. And it just, it just doesn't look good because he can't do the same things in the scene because Common hasn't had the the same extent of, of training, you know, and it just, and it's quite an extended fight and Common's made out to be, you know, Wicks equal. And it, if that's the case, then it should be, it should be a high point of the franchise. And instead it, it doesn't compared to any single scene in in the first film and i think as well there was a i'm going to look up his name quickly but um there's a guy that was he had he's a model and a stunt. <laughs> he's in he's in the episode of barry where um barry goes to kill the guy and there's a kid and the kid is this little yeah, fairy yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah the, yeah, the kick, the the taekwondo guy. Uh, but he he this, this guy he's, he was a model. He's a stunt man. He's he was also a taekwondo um, practitioner for years. But he plays one of the new agents in The Matrix Reloaded, 
and then he is in John Wick. He's in the first John Wick film, and he's he's kind of like the he's the only person in John Wick one that is you know somewhere on Wick's level, and yeah, like that works because they've got this guy who can who can kind of go toe to toe, and then yeah, and that's where nobody falls down, and I'm afraid Gunpowder Milkshake will fall down. Is Bob Odenkirk nor Karen Gillan of the same sort of pedigree? Daniel Bernhardt is the guy's name. Sorry. Did a, Odenkirk did a great job turning to this, but it's still a case of like it's not. And the thing is, it's, it's not, I, I'm not, and especially talking like this as if you can do any, like I can't do any fucking better, you know. But I've, a stunt team can make an actor look great. So like they could have had common with a stunt team, and they could have made common look great. But when it's one on one. It, it it doesn't really it doesn't work as well, especially when the whole, when the selling point of the movie is, look how convincing and capable, you know, the actor looks, and then to kind of you know not be able to recreate that experience. So the I'm gonna keep us moving forward, and this is I'm going to send you something and ask you to listen to it. I've got two pieces of audio. I'm going to factor them in, off the back of last week's episode. Uh, I was talking to two people that had never watched Highlander and chose to watch Highlander. Um, so I'm going to send you this. I'm going to insert it into the into the episode. This is uh, Yuki's reaction to Highlander. She did not enjoy this movie. Okay, first I'm going to preface this and say that I don't think this is an awful movie, but I don't understand why it was so big and how it spawned so many spinoffs like obviously Christopher Lambert's such a weird choice he has a few well-practiced lines back in his Scottish days where he puts on the Scottish accent but then like 10 years after he's expelled from his little Scottish village he just drops his accent and also also can we discuss how he's on the battlefield and Clancy Brown you know obviously is saying leave him to me but he's on the battlefield literally his arms are wide open He's got his sword and he's got his shield and he's like, fight me, fight me. You can literally just stab people, dude. It's a battle. No one will get angry at you if you just randomly stab someone. You don't have to wait for someone to stab you like Clancy Brown did. There are so many parts of this movie that made me wonder how anyone anyone involved in it saw it and said, yeah, this is, this is definitely a movie I am proud of. I'm proud to put my name on. <laughs> and it's probably really mean. But I mean, Christopher Lambert is a French man who can't lose his French accent. He's playing a Scottish lord. And Sean Connery is a Scotsman who can't lose his Scottish accent. And he's playing an Egyptian who is currently at the Spanish king's court. Um, At one point, Christopher Lambert says to Sean Connery, you look like a haggis. And Sean Connery, in all of his Scottish glory, goes, a haggis? What is a haggis? Uh, uh, uh. The best part of the movie was probably Clancy Brown. um, Because he was, uh, like, obviously he's a fantastic actor. He is so great at being bad. And Christopher Lambert is just really, really bad. Anyways, um, that is my short, short take on Highlander, and I just don't understand what happened. (laughs) 
Odd, I've never heard a criticism of Highlander before. <laughs> so this is Chris, who had never seen it. He, he enjoyed it a lot. Hey lads, how's it going? This is Chris from Chicago, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. I sat down with a few friends and watched Highlander the other night after hearing you guys talk about it. Obviously, I'd heard the name of the movie. I was going into it. I was vaguely aware uh, that it was about some degree of immortality. I knew that there could only be one. Um, but we sat down and watched it. We had a great time. It was it aged really well. You know, there wasn't anything. Sometimes when you're trying to like borrow nostalgia off other people's uh, you know movies that they love. You can be kind of watching it and it, it doesn't really quite hold up if you hadn't seen it, you know, growing up. But I thought it looked great. Um, I thought the storyline was a lot of fun. It had this cool like A-B plot line where, you know, we were, you know, back in the Moors and then in modern day times. That was kind of fun to keep things interesting. Uh, my favorite bit of it was the Kurgan. He was my favorite bad guy, I think, that I've had in a long time. I do like a good punk rock bad guy. Uh, it made me think of the whole squad from Lost Boys. There's kind of some similarities there. Um, and the soundtrack going along well with that was cool. I didn't know there can be only one was a catchphrase. I assumed that it would only, was only said one time in the movie. And then on the sort of fourth time they were saying it, I was like, okay, this is this comes up a lot. Sean Connery was great. I My favorite bit was sort of Sean with zero effort hi to hide his uh, Scottish accent, pretending not to know what haggis was. That was good. <laughs> um it wasn't immediately clear to me what the quickening was. That was something that maybe, I don't know, I guess if you've watched it a bunch of times, you sort of know. I think they kind of do a better job of explaining it at the end. But I did go through the entire movie thinking that the quickening was an ability to run faster. Because they have a weird scene with the deer where they're sort of looking at it for a couple of seconds. And then Sean Connery just gets him to bolt down the beach and then they have a little swim together but it didn't really it didn't really explain too much you know what what the quickening was and then at the end i guess it's a maybe correct me if i'm wrong it's a sort of a unity a, a zenness with the rest of the universe and maybe i'm i'm wrong about that but uh definitely for the first couple of hour hour or so we thought it was a ability to sprint quite quickly um heather was was pretty good there was one scene where sean connery is, is getting killed by the kurgan and she, heather's just doing an awful lot of screaming in the background i think if it was made today heather might put up a bit more of a fight but to be honest she's just just screaming as the entire castle comes down around her not running away not doing much but i mean overall it was great i had a blast uh good recommendation and yeah uh, the only oh p.s Fuck Speed Racer. I hate that fucking movie. Absolute waste of my time. Stick to your guns, Kev. And yeah, if you if just because you can make an homage to that kind of uh, level of anime doesn't mean that you should do it. I can't get that time back, but I appreciate the recommendation for Highlander. Thanks very much. Yes! Uh, we'll just cut that part there, the last 30 minutes. Yes! <laughs> you, you go fuck yourselves. My brother taught you a troll to me. Fucking Chris knows his shit. Okay, so who wants to live? <laughs> so we we have two. Oddly, we have two similar uh, takes on the Highlander with similar points of interest. Do you know what I mean? Like Yuki, I guess if you really want to tear the movie apart and look at the bad as bad, I guess you can. I, I will say this about the guys' opinions. Um, both of them. They're not wrong. 
Yeah, that's. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying. Another way. I mean, yeah. the I love Highlander, the, but it's uh, definitely problematic in parts. The and dated the haggis scene. There's no way they didn't know that this is fucking funny having Sean Connery in a Scottish accent pretend to not know what haggis is. That's almost definitely a very knowing joke. Yeah. It would have to be. Um, Even if they didn't know, he would have said, "Eh, guys, this is a bit absurd. I'm clearly Scottish. I'm not making any effort to mask my accent here. We're in the Highlands and I'm going, what's haggis? So, like, yeah, they absolutely know. They'd have to. I had forgotten about the scene with the deer on the beach. Mm. That is an odd moment. And I do remember thinking, like, what, what is the implied power or oneness with nature that an immortal has that we don't or something? You know, like, what's he training him to feel there? Uh, I think it's more kind of the quickening is shared, uh, like, kind of. It's a force of nature, isn't it? That's that's probably what it's implying. I don't know. Well, like a, a quickening is a sort of a sensation, you know, a feeling. So like that. Thanks to the guys for actually watching Highlander and sending us their opinions. Uh, although one, not 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 no, wrong. No, that's what we want. We want we want the the discussion. Like so, what do you think it is about Highlander that made it connect to the point that it's expanded out into five movies two tv series cartoons i think something that you can't really ignore is nerdy white guys there's a sentimentality to it there's a romance and a sentimentality to it that people quite like that there's there's a big crossover appeal there between you know it's quite tragic where he's got this kind of ideal happy life at the start you know and kind of loses it all like there's a romanticism to all of that and then to watch him throughout the ages to kind of save a young girl's life and then in the present day for her to be older than him but to effectively be his daughter like this there's a kind of a tragedy there's a very romantic tragedy that is kind of weaved throughout the whole thing that like regardless of how absurd or silly the film gets it does have this quite relatable sadness to it that that i think i think I know when I watched it the first time, I really connected. I was quite young when I saw it, but I really connected with it. I was like, that's that's really sad. And that, like, maybe it's overly sentimental or stuff, but, but people can sort of empathize with that, I think. I think that's that's part of what keeps it grounded in a way almost. As silly as the concept is, that's something that we can all imagine, that sort of loss, that kind of sadness. I, I think I think that does actually help. And the pros and cons of immortality, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think. And it's part of the first time we were faced with that. Yeah. I think that is something that people can connect with, you know. And I, I think that um, that kind of uh, Celtic era uh, of the movie and stuff um, is on par with the likes of Rob Roy and Braveheart. It's excellent. Yeah, uh, there's there's stuff in there, like, as you say, it and make me think about it in a little more in-depth and less glib way. Like, when it's one film released and you're looking at just the one, before anything else that comes after it, the concept of immortality, the presentation of it as if it's a double-edged sword. I don't know that we'd seen that previously. You've got the Queen score as well. Like, Queen were... They must have been at their height in 86, right? Yeah, because it would have been around at the same time as... Um, the... Uh, oh, God. The charity song thing. Live Aid. Yes. Um, there's... 
the element as well of like that song is just that question who wants to live forever and you're you're sitting in a room going like everybody in their heads like i want to live forever and this thing is going no you don't and here's why i'd live forever a guy will come at you with a sword no i'd live forever if i could get my kind of consciousness transform transported into a robot body there there is as you say the sadness thing as well of like there's there's definitely a scene where i'm trying i'm trying to remember the movie where christopher lambert meets another immortal on neutral ground and they have a chat and they're just sort of like we don't want to kill each other why why is this still going on why are we doing this and it's just this sort of ambiguity as to what the what this challenge or this thing is and why it's whittling them down over the over the millennia would you be upset at all if he uh, was involved in the in the I know it's a remake but if he had some sort of little cameo or something I wouldn't be upset if he had a cameo, but like, what would that be? Would he be the old man who helps run the shop and that he met as a boy, you know? Like, but uh, that brings us back to the conversation we had last week where it's like, I don't want a beat for beat remake of any of these things. Take the concept of immortals with swords and do something else. I, I think a big part of the success is, I mean, you could, you could sum it up in, you know, a few words. That's essentially, it was the eighties. But it's the time it was in the 80s as well. Like it was it was 86. Queen had done that show at Wembley, which was fucking huge. I think that was around the same time. And it's about five years after MTV was first on the scene. Like sure. you can't you can't really ignore the impact MTV had. Mm, so it was about five time. years after MTV came on the scene. And the, point. the guy who directed it was a music video director. He directed videos for almost everybody in the 80s. He directed videos for Spandau Ballet, Duran Duran, Elton John, Billy Joel. So almost everything people were seeing on MTV, which was this massive cultural thing, he brought that language to a film. And he made a music video for that Queen song. Exactly. So With Christopher Lambert fighting yep. Freddie Mercury so with a sword. You've essentially got you know That's this cultural phenomenon that MTV was, and now you've got a, a film version of it in terms of the visuals because i mean the, vis- the visuals do very much look like a, an 80s music video and you've got a premise that you know as silly and as absurd as it gets is kind of fun and i think that's that's why it's it's dated but it's also still kind of fun is it, it i think it, i think it's 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 all those things kind of come together that's what i think so i, I think my take. i think that's a that's a, a nice um a nice evaluation and a good response to yuki who is sort of like I, I I have a familiarity with Yuki's watching habits. You know, she will she watches a wide range of garbage and enjoys the hell out of it. Did you know? Yuki like Speed Racer? Yuki, if you're listening, did you like Speed Racer? Well, we we can find out. Yes, might be interested to know. Like they they do watch like they watch a wide range of different things anyway. Well, um, like you like I, so we're kind of talking about the guys' opinions and stuff, but like Yuki. 100% like everything she's saying is right but it's also like they're, they're things I love you know yeah. but like I like trash that's why I hang out so, with you guys <laughs> <laughs> oh. well then that kind of brings us very naturally onto uh, Mark Wahlberg's trailer for Infinite which is very Highlandery. it's very Highlandery. so this Super is uh, Mark Wahlberg Chiwetel Ejiofor Ejiofor um who is always great, brings this just, mm-hmm. has a presence on film, you know? He's, he's, he owns a room when he walks into it, which is... Especially if you're an interrogator. Um, and it opens with him interrogating 
Mark Wahlberg trying to kickstart some latent past life memories through uh, personal possessions from dead people, I guess. There's a there's a samurai sword on the table. It's it's clearly got some Highlander vibes. There's this they this is you are an infinite. If you can tap into your past lives, you can do this, that, and the other. I guess the question is, is that a like? Is that a there can be only one immortal kind of thing, or is it like a um, what dreams may come kind of reincarnation thing? Well, the the, the thing with the past life items, like that's a sort of a a Buddhist kind of thing in that, like that's how they determine when someone's been reincarnated is that they yeah. present you with a few toys from your childhood. And then, you know, so that that's, that's where it's kind of getting that thing. Yeah. I, I think it's associated with the, the selection of the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Yeah. How many movies do we have to watch where Mark Wahlberg carves things into his torso? Has he done that before? Fear with Reese Witherspoon. She plays a character called Nicole, and he char- he he carves her name into his chest. Um, I mean, I'm, two. That's too many. I don't know what to think about this trailer, um, other than, you know, because there's not a huge amount in it. We've got somebody who's, I guess, our antagonist. We've got a protagonist. We've the concept of immortality. Um. Or at least reincarnation, and then I don't know what the movie's going to be about. Like, it's just interesting that the Highlander is in the the cultural mindset again, or or Highlander like things are mm. popping their way into strange yeah. media with yeah. Old Guard as well. I do like you know, kind of obviously Mark Wahlberg. Uh, I wouldn't be the greatest fan of him, maybe outside of the movie world and stuff. I I do think though he's cleaned up his act a lot, you know. Um, however, what I would say exactly. He's cleaned up the perception of his act. Yeah, probably. He, he's yeah. still the guy who wants his criminal record expunged so he can yeah. become a cop. You yeah, know? I think he's an he's, asshole. He's, clean, <laughs> he's, he's, cleaning up his, nice. he's cleaning up his act so that he can become a cop. You so know? weird. There's a, there's so a, there's a, he weird. wants to become a cop? He, yeah, he, he yeah. essentially wants he wants like a, a concealed carry permit and he wants to be something else. Like it's, it's, it, Essentially, he wants to be like... A sheriff. Deputized. He deputized, yeah. And he yeah. he wants this assault of, uh, I think it was a Vietnamese guy that he blinded. Two, two, he, yeah, wants, blind. two he, Asian, he wants it expunged. Asian, it, was, it was two Asian people I think he assaulted. Uh, and one of them kind of just won't take any money from him ever, you know, which is which which I can completely stand with, you know. But um, uh, yeah, like I was There's, there's say, a difference yeah, between I, cleaning up your act and changing your ways. And he's cleaning up his act because he's got some... PR. Yeah, but he's got some... He's got an ulterior motive for wanting to do it. Yeah. It's present. It's That's the curiosity of it. It's such. It's, it's such a long time ago. I can. I can see a place in which, I can see a world in which a person looks back on their actions of their youth and goes, "I can't believe I did that. I was such yeah. a fucking asshole. I'm so remorseful. I'm full of regret. I. I. I can't believe I ever ever did that. Live with that remorse. Be better." Why are you so fixated on clearing your record? It happened. Yeah, yeah. What that's do awful. you want so to carry a gun for? Yeah, but also, it's, but it's just like yeah, it's like it's, it's incredibly disrespectful, and it must be like you know, it's kind of like you did those shitty things, and like yeah, you were definitely a shitty person at those at that time or whatever, and you were young. It's not an excuse, but if you're more so, that's fair and stuff. But uh, the like, I, now a normal person, I think, if it was me, for example, I would struggle with the fact that you know. 
I had garnered so much success and I had this lifestyle where I did horrific things like that. Do you know, do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But it's not like that. He wants to kind of, <laughs> he's like, I've made peace with it. Everybody else should abolish that record, you know? It's not yeah, th- that's that's the curiosity for it. Like, I think there, in a society, there has to be room for, you know, doing your time, serving your sentence, retribution, or what retribution? What's the word I'm looking for? Rehabilitation, rehabilitation. remorse. What, and yeah. What, yeah. Like, there, there does have to be a way back, especially when somebody does something fucking stupid when they're very fucking young. But I don't know what was in the guy's head. I don't know what's in his head today. I'm not really going to pass a judgment one way or the other it is weird that he needs like it that's the question it's like it happened feel the remorse be better why do you want to swipe it from your record he wants to remove from his record yeah happened. exactly yeah and that's, then that's, why that, that's not want... i think that's not truly remorseful really you know no it's not, it's not it's not it's not it's like i forgive myself everybody else should too and i don't really like that aspect of him but i do like him in movies which is unfortunate but yeah do you, do you separate the art from the artist i really struggle with that um, once I learned about Mark Wahlberg, uh, I was disappointed. See, I was talking to somebody today, uh, as this week as well, because we're wandering down this a little bit, and I didn't entirely want to bring it up because I just like to keep this a sort of fun podcast. But the the question that she asked, and she emailed it to us, the endless cast podcast, the endless cast at gmail dot com, is has Joss Whedon redeemed himself with the show The Nevers? No, and I've never I seen went, it, so I couldn't. I couldn't comment. I don't know. I replied. I mean, I don't know that his show is going to make up for his creepy behavior. And her response was, what creepy behavior? I went, what do you think he's redeeming himself for? And she thought Avengers Ultron was why people were down with him. Oh. Um, <laughs> or, I didn't or, realize, just, or Justice League, rather. Was I didn't realize he was working. The thing is, when I heard the synopsis for the Nevers, I was like, Jesus Christ. What is it? I don't know anything about it. I don't even remember like if they've changed it since, but... Essentially, all, all I heard was Josh Whedon has a show with three women and there's, their abilities have something to do with sex work or something. I was like, fucking hell, this guy is... He's nothing if he's not predictable, you know? Um, and this was, you know, a couple of years ago. This was three or four years ago. I was just like, fucking hell. Like, we, we, you know, his wife has written this letter about him and yet we're still making him make a TV show like this. It's just... The Nevers is an American drama television series created by Joss Whedon, series produced by HBO. Premise, The Nevers is described as an epic science fiction drama about a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. And is, is yeah. this show still going on, is it? Yeah, it just aired. Cool. Oh, so he's still working. Not, not that, like... They've, they've removed him from the project before, uh, before yeah, it directed the first two episodes, yeah. directed episode five, May 9th, 2021, and aired. Hmm... Like he's definitely in the background of it, anyway. Yeah, I, 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 I guess what was what was interesting to me was that like, um, this is this is a person that didn't even realize it was an issue in Doss Whedon. So yeah. I don't know stuff. As long as he keeps working, he'll he'll probably bury it. I think Michelle Trachtenberg came out when Charisma Carpenter came out and made a statement about Whedon. Uh, so Trachtenberg would have played Buffy's younger sister. I'm not sure how oh, old. Yeah. I'm not yeah, sure yeah, how yeah. old she was when she was on the show, but she did say a couple of months ago that there was a rule: Joss wasn't allowed to be in the same room as her alone. So, That's so weird. Anyways, oh god. His 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 wife came out years ago and said how unfaithful he'd been throughout their marriage. 
and he blamed it on numerous things. And his apology response that he wrote sometime later was, he was in such a difficult position being a very powerful person in Hollywood, being like a showrunner on the show. He was in a difficult position and he had all these young women on the show that were always trying to impress him. And it was very difficult for him to keep saying no. And that was his apology. Oh, God, no, guys. This was years ago. So no, no, that's fucked. Absolutely Uh, fucked. This, this, This is a response he made public himself. He was like, he apologized for his behavior and he was like, he had no excuse, but it was very hard. And it was something to the effect that it was very hard to, to say no, to have having, I think he, I think he even used the word possibly like, I think he even used the word like an ingenue that he'd have these young women that wanted to get close to him because he was the showrunner or he was the writer or director. And it was just how hard it was for him in that situation, which is just, yeah, awful. Fuck him. I watched those who wish me dead with Angelina Jolie just moving the story directly on. Directed by Taylor Sheridan. Um, the, the guys, he wrote, I think, Sicario and... Hmm. Oh, what's the TV show? Yellowstone? Yellowstone. He's co-creator of Yellowstone. Okay, okay. Um, it's fine. It's it's a um, smoke jumper. You know, the sort of people that parachute into forest fires to fight fires in the Pacific Northwest of America. Uh, Angelina Jolie has been through a, a trauma where you know the fire got out of control, and so she's you know she's sent to spend a season just in a fire watch tower. Meanwhile, uh, like a witness protection family are being hunted by Aiden Gillen and Nicholas Holt's hitmen. Every time you know, I just I'm always happy to see Aiden Gillen sneering his way through movies. Ah, he's, he's very, great. he's great. He's always he's just Aiden. yeah. He's Aiden Gillen. He's Aiden Gillen. <laughs> Aiden Gillen. <laughs> He's one of those actors that I don't like because he played a horrible person. You know that kind of way. It's like it's yeah. transferable. Yeah. I, I I just love that. Is you just you never know what version of a pirate he's going to be playing that week. Yeah, he's just snarling through movies. But um, it's so weird because he I loved him as Carcetti in The Wire. I thought he was great, and then everything after that, he developed this sort of pirate snarl, and it's like season three Louis, of Game of Thrones. Louis Walsh was his manager and Louis Walsh told him he needed a hook. <laughs> and he took it literally and he's got a peg leg to go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he meant to pronounce your R's or something. <laughs> Somebody had a, a theory that, you know, the the character he's playing in Game of Thrones is this kind of social chameleon. That you know, he's this kind of low-born person that now finds himself kind of... Yeah, it, it was just a fun. It was a fun theory that you know, is he putting that much thought into it, and that you know, he's 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 changes his speech. He's this different person to all these different people at different times. That he, yeah, and is it? I, just, kind, of, I kind of thought that's what he was doing. To be honest, he, he, yeah, he goes he, to the north be, and he gets yeah. a bit more snarly. Yeah, yeah. Or, or is it just the fact yeah. that he, you know, his appearances were so intermittent that he can't remember what he was last doing? He, he couldn't keep he the consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those who wish me dead. There's. There's the hitmen, there's the kid on the run, and there's Angie and Jolie, and it takes a while for their stories to interconnect. Mm-hmm. There is a moment all before that where she's just chilling out in the tower, minding her own business, and then she notices a crackle in the air, and then she realizes, oh god, there's about to be a lightning strike, and she leaps off the tower and swings on a rope and falls to the ground. And I remember thinking, that's fucking weird. Why do they make a point of the lightning? 
Like, what does, what does that even add to anything? And then 15 minutes later, when she finds the kid, and goes, we'll go back and we'll call your call the authorities. They go back to the tower and the lightning fried all the communication equipment. So now they're stuck on their own. It's like you had to create a uh, an atmospheric phenomenon to bend the plot to that will. She could have just spilled her coffee once lightning struck outside. Oh, God, it's over the radio. Honestly, yeah, I mean, we've seen easier radio breaks. Then they run from the tower, <laughs> encounter a fire. They run back to the tower, encounter the hitmen. They run from the tower into the fire and it, fight the hitmen. It's probably because, you know, the screenwriter wanted this theme of nature as a force driving these events. So thematically, it's like we've got the fire, we've got the lightning. And, you know, it's probably just that sort of thing. They're probably, it, probably going for that. It's a shame because it's got a, it's like I said, I think I even said it in an Instagram story. There's, there's a good pedigree behind this film and it doesn't quite make it in terms of like, it, it tries to be that sort of like, you know, the sort of, um, oh, the, the sort of realist coldness of, or, or cruelty of something like No Country for Old Men, where like mm-hmm. you think somebody's your hero and he's just gone. I mean, like. It's not a, a happy three-act structure. Stuff changes. There's moments where people get killed and you're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. But it, it's that sort of like, yeah, life doesn't tie itself up nicely and sweetly like a packet of candies. Like it's it's trying to do that cold realism thing. Is it a good movie? But it doesn't quite work. It's it's just fine. Is it Out thing. of ten? And that's the thing. Um, six. Out of four. 3.7. Not consistent. Where can you stream oh. it? Uh, 3.7 out of 4 is quite high yeah I, I did that wrong I meant to, I meant to say, say, say 2.7 um, uh, I mean it's HBO Max um, okay so it could be on Sky yeah. so yeah I mean that's those who wish me dead it's 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 disappointing because I, I want I've been an Angelina Jolie fan forever and it's like I want her in good movies ever since Hackers um, so hopefully The Eternals um, does her some good um, and then I guess the last thing we can talk about is uh, night moves. If you want to, if you want to talk about that a bit, Brian. Um, yeah, we we we'll get to Modoc next week. We we'll get to we we'll get to Modoc next week. I mean, <laughs> the, the 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 thing with Modoc, we'll we'll get to it next week. Yeah, so far two episodes in, there's not a lot to say about it. You know, it's just doing funny shtick. Hopefully, it'll build some character into it. And it's fun to just have Pat Oswald on TV once yeah. a week. Like King of Queens. Um, I watched Night Moves. It's another Christopher Lambert. It was 1992. I definitely watched it thinking, when did Silence of the Lambs come out? Um, does that make sense? Yeah. What, what's your relationship with this film, Brian? Like, you saw it a lot when you were younger, so tell yeah, me how I, you I, feel about I'm it. Trying, like about I'm trying to... Well, I mean, like, I brought it up last week because it was, you know, Highlander, Avengers, Endgame, Chess. It was just... Mm-hmm. making silly connections i assumed yeah. more people would have seen it um i guess people hadn't um mm. i i think i would i i i think i saw it because i'm trying to tell the short version here like my parents would have been quite strict about like following you know racings on things there was a lot of stuff that was probably like stuff like tremors I saw by chance, like I wouldn't have been able to rent something like Tremors because the cover was quite, you know, scary or whatever. Yeah. And then I, when I eventually did see it, I was like, this is quite silly and fun. Um, 
I think how I ended up seeing Night Moves, which I believe was 18s, was... <laughs> I don't know if uh, anybody else has ever heard of something like this. There was a, a video delivery guy that would drive around <laughs> with a backseat full of VHS tapes. I, and I think <laughs> video delivery guy is uh, is probably a, a nice name for what he, he was. Uh, he would drive around and he would have a... a you backseat know, full of VHS. Backseat full of VHS. And like he had some great stuff in there. He had, he had so much kind of a golden harvest, like 70s, 80s kung fu movies. And you could rent, you could rent like a, you could rent up to maybe like five things from him for like a tenner and keep him for a week. He'd come back the following week. And it was, I don't know, it was just this bizarre thing. And I think that's how I ended up seeing Night Moves. So I would have watched it quite a bit then because I had the tape for a week. And so hold, hold on, th- th- this guy was just cottage industry in the back of his polo, bunch of VHS, kept tracker who had what? Yeah, yeah. Would, would go around and get his shit back. Yeah. Um, I mean, as a guy with a wall full of fucking DVDs and VHS, I, I, I wonder, passive income. I wonder, did he maybe own a store? So he had this quite big catalog of stuff. And then maybe did mm. he, I don't know, did the store fall through and did he was, I, I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I think that's how I ended up seeing it. And I think that's why I ended up watching it quite a few times. But even as a kid, I was kind of going, this is so silly that, you know, Lambert is this, are chess players rock stars? Maybe they are. I, I, you know what? I bet they are. I bet, I bet Kasparov, oh, every, every, I, I bet Kasparov has got, has rock stars. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Uh, just such yeah. a bonkers premise for a film. Aiden, why don't you kind of give us your take on it? You watched it more recently. So. In the Queen's Gambit. There's literally that guy who is like a rock star. Yeah. yeah. He has a knife yeah. for no reason. Yeah. Uh, the cover of Night Moves is a ripoff of some DVD cover. And I can't think of it. I thought it was a Harrison Ford movie like uh, K-19 or something. But like it's a ripoff of some cover of a movie. Uh, you know that thing where kind of like the movie comes out and it looks a certain way. And then later they kind of just like redesign it to make it fit into yeah. like kind of like a category more and attract certain things. It's yeah. like that. So the, the, like broadly then the, the plot of this is that there's a series of grisly murders taking place in and around a international chess championship. And the target of the the uh, serial killer is Peter Sanderson, who is played by Christopher Lambert. Christopher Lambert. Um and he is killing people and is he leaving clues for Christopher? Like there there are some odd phone calls. Um he starts by killing the woman that Christopher Lambert is having um serial one night stands with. Um Yeah, that that's how he that's how he becomes a, a suspect in the first place. Yeah. Yes. Um and so there's no question about who the serial killer is from the very beginning of the movie. At least in terms of, like, we know... We have a, a flashback to 1972 where two children are playing chess, one child loses, and he goes nuts and tries to stab the other child with a pen. We see the father leaving the family because uh, this child is a psychopath and his... Uh, well, he says he's, he's crazy. Um, and his mother is a depressed alcoholic. The mother then slits her wrists, bleeds out in a bed, and the child with a bottle of milk walks through her blood on the bed, looks at her as she is drowsily slipping away, looking at him, takes the box of chess pieces off the nightstand and just walks out of the room and leaves her to, to die, and he goes and plays chess with himself. So we know from the very beginning, this kid's 
this kid's our serial killer. That that period of time was very much it was very much about the kind of you know soft core erotic thriller. You know, you'd, yes. your basic instinct, single white female, fatal attraction, mm-hmm. with a bit of Silence of the Lambs. You know, the, these were very much the films of the time. Yeah, and and people have said that, um, you know, the the proliferation of the porn industry, home video, and the internet kind of killed the the sex thriller because, you know, it was a it was a sideways way of going and seeing. Yeah, and something there, there, a bit there, saucy. There, there was one guy writing all those movies at the time as well, funnily enough. Say uh, that again? There was one guy writing all those. Like, he didn't write this, but, you know, it was one guy at the time. It was uh, Joe mm-hmm. Esther Harris, Esther Has or something. He wrote he wrote all of those kind of softcore thrillers. So he was one of the most kind of prolific writers of, of the early 90s. And he looked exactly like you'd expect him to. <laughs> so the guy makes contact with Christopher Lambert, who, like... The police confront him with this dead girlfriend. He denies even knowing her in anything other than a passing way. Then the serial killer gets in touch and he goes back to the police and goes, hey, look, I was lying to you. I do know her and this guy's trying to blackmail me or engage me in this weird game. By the time they make the leap to the idea that he is killing women in a grid pattern to emulate a chess game that he and Christopher Lambert or Christopher Lambert played... 10 years previously so that Christopher Lambert could anticipate and engage and play this game with him. At at that point, I think I'd shut off trying to understand the logic of it because Christopher Lambert turns to a whiteboard with a map of the island on it and says, look, it's a grid like the chess game. And he draws this grid on a map that kind of had a grid layout of the streets anyway. And his grid bears no resemblance to any... It makes it makes Tell me if you're listening like that you don't want to watch this immediately based on what the last the last thirty seconds that Aiden has just said. <laughs> like <laughs> it I mean I, I'm I this is I'm I'm spoiling this movie up and down. You I mean I'm I'm paying I I was paying over much attention perhaps and I, I was like, Okay, I know who the serial killer is. Um Let's not spoil it, it's just in case people I, I'm not gonna yeah. spoil it, but like it's Tom Skerritt's great. Diane Lane is great. I realized in watching this movie that I don't think I've seen anything with Diane Lane in it, aside from the Superman uh, movies. Wow. Uh, she looks like Catherine Zeta Jones in the 90s. I was like, oh, wow, I have never seen her before. It's gorgeous. Oh, she's in The Outsider, so I must have seen that. Daniel Baldwin is giving it loads, if you remember Daniel Baldwin in it. At one point, he puts his gun to Christopher Lambert's head and, like, is threatening to shoot him because he thinks he's the killer. And it's it's like, you're, you're going to lose your job for this sort of behavior. You can't be a police officer, pull your gun, stick it in the guy's face. On the wiki page for this film, under the production yeah. setting, the last paragraph is, Daniel Baldwin later admitted to being addicted to cocaine during this time in his life, which may have helped <laughs> his character appear to be out of control. and it's kind of obvious (laughs) I mean I would feel like Christopher Lambert didn't admit to being on cocaine at this time in his life but at the end of that moment you can tell they did a chunk of it in one take or some continuity staff member or continuity crew member was brilliant because he pushes the gun 
against his forehead. And when he pulls it away, there is an imprint circle of a gun dug into his forehead. And it is there for the next four shots. (laughs) So either they did this in one take with multiple cameras or something, or continuity was on point for this film. It's very much a type of backdraft sort of film as well. You know, I just made a connection there with Baldwin and backdraft, but like serial killer, but with chess serial killer yeah. but with firefighters you know that definitely yeah. much that was a kind of a a genre thing i think i guess at the yeah. time as well so i think i would have watched this in the 90s and i would have enjoyed it watching it now it it seems so wildly illogical in so many ways but i mean i, I don't know how to feel i don't really know how to you know what's quite how to land on it quite strange to think Silence of the Lambs was 91. But here's the thing, right? Uh, that mm. that film was 92, I believe. Mm-hmm. Seven was only three years later. Which is right. bizarre to think of because, like, Seven is a great film. Stylistically yeah. looks great, but it... Seven... Seven could have been made today, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's only yeah. three years after after this. Like, it, it's, it's really impressive that... The concept of seven, and unfortunately, Spacey being great at the end of it and everything, like it does all these things right. But on top of that, it it completely redefined that type of thriller and mm-hmm. had so many kind of pale imitators afterwards. Mm-hmm. But it, it's bizarre to think that you know, Night Moves is this you know kind of document of a very typical cheesy genre type of film, and then only three years later, you had Seven come along and completely redefine it. You know. And do it in a much more because inti- essentially it, it's a kind of that similar trope of you know serial killer but with and in this instance it's serial killer but with the Bible and yet it's it's mm. this seven holds up so well today you know yeah. um, and it's kind of bizarre to think that th- I mean three years isn't a huge amount of time but but there's there's a thing in there's a thing in filmmaking when you see when you see shots and sequences put together where like we had to take a box we had to get every piece of this person's credentials listed we had to establish these people's relationship to each other we had to establish what the next motivating factor of the scene was going to be and there's no real fucking pretentious as fuck but there's no real truth to a moment in a scene there's just a list of stuff that we need to get through to get the plot moving yeah you mentioned night moves I'm trying to work backwards and go, did you like this movie? Well, like I said, it, I would have seen it quite young. Um, and yeah, I, I did get the impression that I was probably in the minority of people who had actually seen it. You know, I was kind of curious if, if either of you had actually seen it as well and what your what your take would have been. Um, I'm never watching it again. Oh yeah, no. Like like I said, I I I wouldn't say it was good. It was just it was weird that it was this thing that I randomly it's, saw. It, it is that, weird. Yeah. It's it is weird. There's a another chess grandmaster who like slowly gets crazier. You know, he's like, "Don't be so superstitious about this, that, and the other." And then someone tries to sit him down, and he's like, "No, no, no! I have to face north. That's where my power comes from." And the next time you see him, he's wearing a tinfoil hat, and it's like, "This is a weird little progression they have going on with this guy." <laughs> Uh, let me just see if I have like I mean I was trying to keep notes as I was going on. Um, a lot of screeching cars in the score. I don't know if you remember the opening 
sequence in black and white like it's like like there you should go and watch the opening sequence again someone just discovered a synthesizer or sampling and there's like screeching cars to try and build tension i wrote nine minutes to boobs uh, <laughs> in case you were wondering is that the only instance um, of boobs a, i would have thought it was later no, i would have thought it was later in the there, there there is a later um there's um the steam room scene is creepy mm-hmm do you remember the steam room scene? Yes. So they they go to consult a psychotherapist to try and get an insight into what a serial killer or a psychopath might be doing on this island. And we meet this guy. And he's like, well, you know, I just do personal therapy. Like, this isn't really my field. And then the next scene is a steam room. And a woman walks in on Christopher Lambert. It's Diane Lane. And she goes, oh, I didn't realize anyone was in here. Goes and sits down. And then we just get a shot of Christopher Lambert staring at her and then slowly raising his eyes. And then we get the reverse shot as it looks upper. It's really fucking creepy. She should have run out of that place immediately and gone, yep, that's your man. That's your serial killer. That's creepy. And then then we find out she's another therapist that once the, the male guy, the male therapist said... Yeah, well, this isn't really my field, but I mean, I can give you some thoughts on serial killers. Hey, why don't we get my colleague, wrap her in a towel and throw her in the room with him? It's a weird chain of thought that that leads to that scene. My biggest take, I mean, there's a Jaws mare. She comes into Tom Skerritt to tell him to get this serial killer or arrest somebody so that we can open up the tourists. Um, And he tells her to go and shove it up her ass. Like there's a there's a Jaws mare scene. It's a bizarre movie. It's bizarre that it happened. It's a bizarre movie. And it, 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 my, it says a lot about what was, you know, being greenlit at the time. My revelation, my epiphany is Christopher Lambert is a beta release of Christoph Waltz. You know, when Christoph Waltz came out, they updated the firmware to include, you know, charm and charisma. But I think Lambert had it obviously had a degree of charm. Clearly. I, I, he's a <laughs> plank. He is a plank that can deliver lines I, I i think he must be very charismatic in his natural french but uh what was the film he was in the luc besson one was that subway that was yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think what happened with christopher lambert is he had indie success in france or probably um mainstream success in france that led to greystoke which requires him to be not much more than monosyllabic then he had Highlander, which was so goddamn huge, it gave him the next few years to make things like this. And it's fine. We just don't see him around that much anymore. And again, he works He works in France quite a lot. He's still working and he still pops up on TV shows and stuff like that. But he, I don't know, there's something, he's, he's a plank. <laughs> that's that, I mean, that's my take on this movie. It ends ludicrously abruptly. Mm-hmm. Does he say checkmate at the end of it? Is that the last line? I can't remember. I think the last line is just him holding a gun and he goes, checkmate, and then credits. I want to make it clear that I didn't bring it up as a recommendation. It was just more that uh, this curious thing that, yeah. If you're curious, check it out. Don't expect to like it. It's just more of a, a bizarre thing that I figured I probably was one of the, in the minority of people who'd actually seen it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, and and I watched it, and these are my thoughts on it. It's a very 
Um, it's a very odd. I'm call. expecting to hear from Chris and Yuki what, what their thoughts on it were. In the conti- let's continue in the Christopher Lambert. <laughs> uh, let's let's get their thoughts. Uh, the, the Lambert canon. Looking through those, um, looking through the filmography of Diane Lane, it it puts Streets of Fire on the table again. I still haven't watched that movie, um, so uh, I might go off and watch that. Other than that, that is my list for the week. Is there anything you want to address? Mm, not specifically. I guess, you know, one other trailer that we didn't mention that I did see this week was Last Night in Soho. Oh, yeah. that was, This has been a, like, we were both or we were all surprised that Eternals was this week. But yeah, Last Night in Soho was this week as well. Mm-hmm. What did you make of it? Uh, it looks interesting. I'm not a huge Edgar Wright fan. I know he's super talented. He's great, but um, he is much the same way that I don't particularly like Tarantino. You know, I think they're they're magpies, which there's nothing wrong with. That's cool, but I don't massively engage with either of their films. Um, do you? But do you think like I like when I'm watching a Tarantino movie? I feel like he's waving his references in my face, yeah, and screaming about them. Mm-hmm. And when I watch an Edgar Wright movie, I feel like he's, you know, he's taking, he's using, and he's trying to add to it. Like, you can find them, you can point at them, you can look at them if you want. But I don't I don't think of him in that same way. Um, my, my take on the, um, the Last Night in Soho trailer, though, in just watching it is, it looks like a straight ghost movie. It looks mm-hmm. like a straight, like a Halloween horror movie. Yep. Which, you know, we haven't seen him do. And I'll still movies. I'll still check it out. Like I, there's no denying he's talented. I just don't particularly like a lot of what he's done. Um, I was a big fan of Spaced. I was a big, I was a huge fan of Spaced when it came out. But I think Spaced has aged quite a bit as well. Um, I don't get and like and Spaced Spaced is very Spaced. Spaced is very much kind of like you're saying, you know, Spaced is waving around its it the things it's referring to and things like that. And sure. it's it's funny the first couple of times I watched it, but like I said, when I went back and watched it later, I was like it's not that it's yeah. bad, it just didn't elicit the the response that he used to. Yeah. And I think he's yeah. he's a very kind of clever clogs director, you know. Um there's a lot of kind of I feel like there's a lot of showing off and everything, and it just it's all great. It's all clever, but uh, I don't really connect emotionally with this stuff. In terms of that, I would lump him in more so with a Wes Anderson than a Tarantino, or sort of a mix between the two. He's he's very referential, like a Tarantino, but he's very stylistic, stuck in his own tropes, like an Ed, like a Wes Anderson. Does that make sense? Yeah, but I mean, I I think you could say Tarantino's stuck in his own tropes also. You know. So his his movies after Space though are Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, The World's End, Scott Pilgrim, and uh, Baby Driver. That's those five. I always think he's a lot of clout, but I don't know why. I like Spaced, but it was good, and I haven't watched it in years. And uh, Shaun of the Dead are fun, but I think that's kind of because it's a combination of everybody from Spaced. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I, I didn't like. Uh, I was surprised. I didn't, I didn't like, like Baby Driver. I didn't like. Kev's sh- on one point five speed. It's crazy. <laughs> Am I? No, you're just talking really fast and short. I didn't. Sorry. I didn't like Shaun of the Dead at all, and I was really surprised because <laughs> I was still 
still a spaced fan at that point yeah i kind of hadn't gone back and checked out space and kind of reevaluated it but when i saw shauna the dead i was just i just kind of i didn't care like i I, there was no point where i kind of was pulled into it i was just i just didn't enjoy it um and i haven't enjoyed i haven't really enjoyed his films you know that's a fundamental issue like i listed (laughs) those there to sort of see at what point you fell off because they're all the same but if you're like from the very beginning yeah i just just didn't get into them you know um i thought baby driver was decent but like i've watched it once and i had no desire to watch it again you know but also baby driver should have ended at one stage in a movie but then kind of it goes on like maybe twice more where it should have ended you know Mm -hmm. but it's just like like again it's like spaced and then the the carnetto trilogy as they call it it's it's kind of like he has a lot of he's like he's a lot of uh ego i want to say not ego but it's just kind of he's very sure of himself and i kind of it's like i'm not entirely sure where that comes from and he has a lot of he's a big following but again it's like you think he's like, very do i think he's very sure of himself I, I think i think edgar wright does have a bit of a chip in his shoulder for some reason that's my impression of him to a degree interesting because because i i, I, I like i don't i don't get that like i get I think he thinks he's highbrow. I think he's probably a bit snobby about his own tastes. Yeah. And he wants to do the things he wants to do. And he's not, like, he's not, you know, he's not ten films in at this point. Every film no. he's made has been his film that he's written and directed. And I do like Scott Pilgrim, though. I, I admire that to a degree if you can work within that system. It does mean longer periods of time between films. You mm. know? Um, Quality I don't of think of him as an quality. asshole or... I don't know if, if asshole is probably too strong a word if I if I said that, but I do think he, like, yeah, I think he's a little bit, like, he... Snobby might be a, a better term to, mm-hmm. to say, but it's just, like, it's, like, kind of... Uh, and I enjoy the the Canetto movies or whatever the tri- that trilogy, but it's kind of like it's like at the end of the day they're silly comedy action movies. It's not yeah. as if he's doing a Wes Anderson or a, or a Tarantino even to a lesser extent. But I think he he probably does like to imagine himself in the same running as some of those more prolific directors. And it's like I don't know if he has the same resume. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I I want to disagree with you, basically, just because I think he's not been around as long as a Tarantino or a Wes Anderson. I think he's working to make, to build his portfolio. I think his portfolio is specifically his. He makes um, films that look and feel like an Edgar Wright film. I don't want to say mm-hmm. action comedies. I, um, I like, I like. He, them. he tried wrong. to like make his way into the, like, there was a moment where he was going to, like, straight up Hollywood you know, when he got involved with the Marvel and the Ant-Man end of things. I would have liked to have seen his Ant-Man. I know that's kind of a weird thing yeah. to say, but I would have liked yeah. to have seen his Ant-Man. But you see, I think there's an element of that's where Joe Cornish has kind of fallen down a bit. It's like he made Attack the Block and then he mm-hmm. wrote Tintin and has tried to get stuff working in a, in the larger studio end of things. And I think he, um, you know, like, he's made that King Ar- kid in King Arthur not what was it called? I I thought Joe Cornish's attack the block showed such huge promise that I wanted to see something else from him immediately. And they're making a sequel to that, aren't they? 
but mm-hmm. that's that's what it's turned into rather than like another cool horror movie yes, on a low budget yeah. two years after that he got involved with Spielberg and got writing on Tintin and got connected to bigger projects but those never manifested and I think if he had done I don't know I mean maybe he's made the connections that are laying the groundwork for bigger things but like I don't want a sequel to Attack the Block Attack the Block ended beautifully you know, it ended with like that enough open, it, like the first Matrix is an open question that you can fill in your own blank. And it's like, let's leave that there. You know, I don't need an attack the block. See, another alien lands in the block. Is that it? I don't know. I think Cornish is smart and could have done something else. Speaking of King Arthur. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. Can we not? Will I say it? Did we mention his name this? Did we mention his name this episode? We haven't. This, we I haven't mean, yet. On this week's I mean, episode of the Snidecast, <laughs> Snyder, Zack Snyder is going to do a, a King Arthur movie that's based in the Wild West. I love it. Possibly going to be his best work yet. Anything in Wild West. I sent you the clip of the interview where he talked about the workouts on three hundred. Oh, I didn't watch it. I despise. No, it. well, it's it's just an article where he says that like when we were making no, three hundred, I was the first guy in the gym at I five know. in the morning. I did the workouts before everyone else. My times and weights went up on the board, and you had to beat my times. Few did. Uh, I I. Let's not get into it. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't know how we're slowly turning him into the villain of this podcast because it's like I've enjoyed his movies. He I, I think like he's an all right dude. I think we just enjoy ragging on him a bit. I think it's become it's a bit kind of because he's just he keeps making the news or making our news feeds. Maybe we need to change our algorithms and fucking go read a book. I think he got a new publicist. Oh, and that's why we're seeing as much of him as we are. Yeah, he's just he's popped up all the time. Like, when have you ever seen? somebody you know in the press so much doing so little yeah because you don't see like we don't even have that many like let's talk about the mcu for example we, we there's less about like some of those directors you know the kind of way who've done more successful movies to degree. taika waititi is in a throuple and it barely registered <laughs> do you think that's <laughs> do I, I i saw the pictures Taika Waititi with uh, Tessa Thompson and Rita Ora on a balcony snuggling. And the way that picture looked, I don't know, maybe you've got more information than me, but like I saw like pictures of that photo set and it felt to me like they'd spotted the photographer and they're like, hey, let's fuck around with this guy. And they just all snuggled yeah. up together and made it look I hear like that, something. Yeah. I hear Disney aren't happy about it anyway. So who knows? That Taika Waititi's in a throuple? Yeah, actually. It's a. You're right. Um, the Zack Snyder's publicist end of things. Because I was trying to go. Ah, well, maybe it's just a Netflix push. But the Snyderverse thing was a HBO thing, and that's Warner's. So somebody's working overtime for him. King Arthur in the Wild West. What is there a gun in the stone? There was a TV show years ago. I used to watch on TV Tree, and it was called Dead Man's Gun or something like that. And it was essentially a gun that would be passed. It was an anthology, basically, of stories that were connected by this gun that would be passed on to different individuals and would have effect on in different ways. And it was great. And I like that kind of mystical Wild West type of stuff. Uh, you don't see it a whole lot, especially in like live action things. How does but, it even uh, make sense, though? Because, like... Gun stuck in a rock. But, but like... Gun stuck in a rock, Brian. The, the, United, the, the United Kingdom still has a monarchy. You know, there is, there's a, you can... <laughs> gun, gun stuck in a rock. 
you know, they had kings. It, there's there's a mythology about kings, and they had like what's 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 the modern day American equivalent to kind of trace that story? Like what Abraham Lincoln, Gunstock and Rock. Right. Cool. 